Okay. Oh, hey, I'm Tracy. I'm an alcoholic addict. Um, thanks for asking me to uh, share this morning. Um, it will not take me an hour. <laughs> my life is not that interesting, in my opinion anyway, uh, that it'll take an hour to, to lay it all out. Um, uh, so uh, I started using getting drunk when I was when a little guy. I was like 11 years old when I started drinking. Uh, and I, I was sneaking alcohol, you know. I was sneaking alcohol from my dad was, was when I was uh, started sampling, you know, if you will. Didn't like the taste of it from the very beginning. Um, didn't like, uh, but I did like how I felt. Ultimately, that's how I, you know, I, I kind of knew right there that that's, that I was going down the path. But um, I had a good life. I, I didn't have the type of life. I hear a lot of people say, oh, my life was, you know, my growing up was stressful and harsh, but I had a good family. I was adopted when I was uh, five, excuse me, three years old. And uh, uh, I did meet my, my birth mother, which I'll get to later, but uh, I was adopted when I was three years old. She had me very young. And uh, at that time in the 60s, you didn't keep a child. And she was that young and you didn't, uh, you just were kind of hidden away and your child was put up for adoption. So I spent some early years as a baby in a foster home. Um, and I didn't have, I later learned that I didn't have uh, a lot of interaction as a baby. In the formal years, I think part of that is, I can contribute part of that to my thinking issues and my my uh, need to constantly be alone. Like, I love being isolated, you know, and I'm perfectly okay. I like, I, I need it, you know, I don't know, maybe it's part of my introversion, but um, I've read stuff about when babies aren't held and uh, coddled and, and, you know, in the early years so yeah but anyway so um yeah i um my family my mother and father my father was in the army and they were they traveled around they, were, they lived in germany and, and all that i wasn't with them then but uh, they liked to entertain so they would always have house parties and uh, they were very uh, close to the neighborhood and uh, so they always had friends over and uh, and we always had the Christmas at our house, and so they always had alcohol, and and I always see see everybody having fun, you know, and um, and they always had these little drinks, you know, little glass little glasses, orange juice glasses, we call them here, uh, but little glasses with alcohol, and, and and the more those went, the more those came out, the the more laughter there was, you know, and I always wondered what is in those glasses, you know, what what are they drinking? I want some of that. I want to laugh. So uh, I would sneak, you know, during the parties, I would, uh, and not at the beginning of the party, mind you, but it, as as it got going and everybody started to get drunk and, you know, uh, I was supposed to be in bed, mind you, because I'm a kid. And uh, there's no way you could sleep in a house like that. So anyway, I would sneak around and take sips from those glasses. And, and uh, that's how I started drinking. And uh, so my dad kept a lot of alcohol in the house he had a, actually had a bar in his in the basement of our house and um he was an army veteran so he 
would go down to the PX and he would get like a case of alcohol to keep his bar stocked, you know. And so that's when I started to uh, sneak from his bottles after. Uh, and I would just take a little bit off. I didn't want to take a lot. I didn't want to overdo it. So I'd take a little bit off the top and, you know, each one. And uh, that's how I got going. And and the whole idea of the sneaking and the, and that is just something that's that's been a one of my character defects, if you will. I like to call it character defaults, but <clears throat> just even after I've gotten sober, I've noticed that I can I want to not uh, hit things head on. I want to be sneaky about it. I, I, I fear uh, uh, feedback from people. I fear, you know, blowback from people. So I avoid confrontation. So I, I sneak things. So anyway, moving on to my life, it was, I had met up with some friends around the neighborhood. You know, we always have friends and we always find each other. I think alcoholics and addicts always find each other. And um, I don't know what that is, but um, so I hooked up with the, the, my buddies in the neighborhood and, and I had some friends whose brothers would get us alcohol and that. And uh, I, I always felt, one to back up a little bit, I always felt as a young person like inadequate and ashamed and um, very low self-esteem. You know, I, I uh, uh, just always felt like an outsider, you know, all the time. It, I don't know what that was. It was in my head. I don't think that it was that way, but it was in my head that I was an outsider and very awkward. And and uh, I felt like I was a monster or something like, ooh, I'm ugly, you know. So it was just self-esteem, basically. So. Uh, so anyway, going back to the friends, so we, we would get alcohol. My friend's brother was old enough to get us alcohol and, and he would get us beer. So we'd get these big 40 ounce bottles of beer, you know. We call them 40 ounces. And uh, uh, this was malt liquor, you know, Schlitz malt liquor bull. And uh, Colt 45, that was the thing here in the U.S. Billy D. Williams did commercials for Colt 45. You know, works every time. That was the, that was the catchphrase. And it did work every time, you know, because uh, I can hardly remember any of those times we got those giant bottles of beer. We would each get one. It'd be four or five of us, and we'd each have one. And, uh, and we'd have side stuff too, you know, drugs too. It wasn't just always alcohol. <clears throat> but when I drank that stuff, I felt like all of that fear and all of that anxiety and all of that, you know, feeling outside went away. You know, I finally felt comfortable. You know, I couldn't just do that on my own. I had to have the beer and the weed and the, and the alcohol to make me feel comfortable, you know early on it was it was it was my crutch you know and the thing about it was you know when I was younger and all of us can identify with this maybe when we're kids and we drink <clears throat> you know I can bounce back from that pretty easy I mean we drank a lot we drank alcohol and we'd and we'd you know tie one on and then get up the next day and go to school you know you know because my body could take it my body could throw it off you know and uh, that went on for a lot of years and, and the progression of it. And we all know the progression, the progression of alcohol. It's going to happen to you. It's 
it, you can't, it's not sustainable to continue to, to do that no matter, you know, what. And as I went on, more things happened, more alcohol was added, more fear, more shame, more guilt. You know, um, I was never good with girls. I was uh, very shy and very, like I said, introverted and, uh, relationships were just, I was just, it didn't happen. <laughs> I just wasn't, if there was a person that I liked, girl that I liked, I was too afraid to go up to her and say anything, you know what I mean? Um, which made me feel worse, which made me use more alcohol and more drugs, you know, and, and rinse and repeat, you know, that was my life basically was running away from my emotions and running away from people and running away from uh, responsibilities and uh, alcohol. I run to alcohol and run to drugs. You know, um, I got I got okay grades in school. I I wasn't, you know, a failure, but I wasn't living up to my full potential, you know, and uh, because of the drugs and the alcohol. But I was okay with that. I was okay just skating by. And that's how I got through life was just skating by. As long as I could get high and drinking everything and skate by, I get straight D's. I'm like, and you know, my parents were like, you gotta get your grades up. And I'm like, why? I passed, you know, what's the matter? Get off my back, you know, <laughs> you know? And, and I went into adulthood that same way with that same attitude, as long as I get by, leave me alone let me get my alcohol let me get my drugs and leave me alone um so i ended up going to art school that's where i went to school i was always good at drawing even drunk or high i could i could always draw you know and uh and there was a program in my high school that that led me to uh, uh an art school i went to art institute of pittsburgh here in, in the u.s and um because I thought, you know, I would I would see uh, these famous artists like Van Gogh and, and, you know, all these famous artists, they were all crazy and kooky. And so I thought, yeah, I can I can live with, you know, those guys are drunks and nuts and, you know, but they, they made these masterpieces, you know, and uh, so I'm OK, you know, as long as I can draw and paint. You know, I'll be all right. So I went to this art school in Pittsburgh and it was a more of a commercial art thing. So. I would work for ad agencies and that kind of thing. And I really did like it, you know, uh, but you know, wherever you go, there you are. You know, of course I took alcoholism and I took addiction with me and I had to have it, you know, and uh, it helped me shake off those fears and shake off uh, that, that anxiety and, uh, and fit in, you know, I could talk to people, you know, I could, I could, you know, to come up with the great ideas, you know, I thought they were anyway. And, uh, again, just skate by, just get by, you know, I, I, but I was good enough at, at, at art and drawing and design that I would get some better. I got better grades in school, but I still, now that I look back, didn't live up to my full potential there. You know, I could have done so much better. I had a lot of resentment towards myself about that, you know which I've dealt with, but, um, but I look back and think, wow, where could I have been? You know, but, but that's okay. I'm doing good today and I'm doing good now. And that's what really matters. I try not to harp on the past and what I didn't do. Uh, cause that's useless. You know, it's all about living in the now. And, um, 
so anyway, I went through school and I and and uh, took alcohol and, and it was college. So, of course, there's drinking in college and all kinds of crap in college. And, uh, you know, grain alcohol was the order of the day, you know, and uh, parties, parties, parties. You know, we, we just partied like crazy there. And, and uh, I lived away from home for the first time and lived in a dorm and um, I had a roommate and I never felt comfortable having a roommate. You know, it drove me insane having somebody in the room with me all the time. And this is a dorm room. So this is like a closet, you know, and and I just had to continue. I drank more and more and more to deal with that anxiety of that, that, uh, oh, you know, I stayed out of that room as often as possible. You know, I, I like only came in there to sleep, you know. And, and it was rough. It was rough mentally, you know, mentally, not physically, obviously I had a roof over my head and I had college and, you know, so, um, I was, because I was a foster child, I was a ward of the state basically, or excuse me, the county. Um, and, and, uh, my foster parents never legally adopted me, which was fine. You know, to, to me, I felt like a family member. They never treated me any different. They were fantastic. And because I was a ward of the county, I would get uh, loans. They paid for my college, you know. And uh, but I had to take out some loans. I had to uh, to cover the rest of it. And um, so because of that, um, I would get these refund checks when I was in college. And I'm like, and I mean, they were like, you know, thousand dollars. You give a teenage kid a thousand dollars who's an alcoholic and an addict. And it's like cha-ching. You know, you know, guess what we're doing tonight? You know, <laughs> we're getting fucked up. That was what we said. <laughs> and we did, you know, and uh, I didn't understand. I'm like, wow, refund. Should, I should have uh, what I should have done if I were responsible was put that in a bank and save it until after, you know, start to pay back my loans. But I wasn't doing that. So I get out of college and. uh you know, all of these bills start coming due. And I'm like, oh my God, what is all of these bills? And I had to, you know, I, had, I didn't go into bankruptcy. I ended up going to a credit counseling place to help pay down my school loans. And they would just take money out of my paycheck. Luckily, I had a little piece of a job. So I barely got any money, but, you know, anyway. So uh, college was, I graduated from college again, just get by. Just get by. Don't top a class. I don't want to be up there. No, 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 no. Just get by. I'm down here. Just I want to be small and leave me alone. And so that's what I did, you know, and I graduated. And uh, so I thought me being who I am and in my own head, I'm a legend in my own mind. Uh, I'm going to uh, graduate from college and I'm going to go to the biggest ad agency in downtown Cleveland and get a job. Right because that's what they told me in the commercial, you know, that advertised my school, draw tippy and you'll be a millionaire, you know? So, so, uh, the college would help, would set you up with interviews. So they set me up with this interview at this agency. And I went down there and I'm showing this guy, my stuff from college. And, and, uh, he's like, you're not ready yet. You know? He was being honest with me. He wasn't being mean. Now that I think back, 
he was like, you're not ready yet. And uh, when you are, you know, just keep keep at it. That's what he told me. Keep at it, you know, and come back and see me, you know. But I, I heard you suck. My God, how did you get in here? I'm calling security. You know, that's what my magic magnifying mind would, would hear, you know. Uh, low self-esteem uh, was still in there. Anxiety was still in there. I wasn't dealing with any of these issues. Um, I was covering it all up with alcohol and drugs. He probably could smell alcohol on me now that I'm thinking about it. Because I'm sure I was still drinking heavily at that time. Um, so I went home with my tail between my legs and got drunk, of course. And, uh, you know, I, I would just get jobs in warehouses and you know, stuff like that. And I mean, they were good jobs for me, I guess a, a team getting out of college. Right. But to me in my head, it was, I was, you know, a piece of garbage, you know? Um, but I kept trying to get these art jobs and I would get, you know, every now and then I would get a little side job to do something from, for a family member or something, nothing really big and kept practicing. And, kept going forward and uh eventually i did get a job at a company for uh, this place to design uh stained glass windows you know that was like my first real design job and uh <laughs> the company it was it was a franchise thing it wasn't like a they didn't do re real stained glass windows they did this like stained glass overlay thing it was like it was like some fake thing and but it, it was i was happy i was doing design finally you know my my parents weren't happy like they thought it was a waste of time for me to try to draw for a living but you know what my dad wanted me to join the army and i'm like i ain't doing that shit <clears throat> that requires too much effort and you know i'm not about effort <laughs> you know that's how i came in this program when i came in the program i didn't want to put forth effort you know i did that half-ass for a long time anyway first design job and I'm you know I was happy you know and uh so that was the start of my my career as a designer and uh that place eventually went out of business and I moved on to a printing company a small place and uh that company went under because the owner was embezzling the money and uh, I always seem to find alcoholic companies too how did that work you know no matter what alcoholism and and disorder was in my path you know we were just like magnets to each other so after that company went under I had got another job at a printing company but this printing company was they did uh, uh, blueprints for construction like so they reproduced uh, just giant sheets and they did printing and graphics and that's how I got in there that was my first deal with the computer. Again, still drinking, still getting high, still just doing enough. I never wanted to do extra for anybody. I never wanted to do extra for myself. You know, I just wanted to get by. I just wanted to be small and drink and get high and leave me alone. And uh, that's that's what I did. And the, co the company I'm working for now, the president of this company was a raging alcoholic. And they had a bar this company had four floors it was a small building and they had a bar on the fourth floor where they would schmooze clients and uh, that was wonderful <laughs> how could you i work at a company that has a bar <laughs> you know heaven and uh in this this place was totally dysfunctional it was 
it was crazy that it lasted as long as it did. Um, this lady would go out, this lady would, with the president would go out and meet people at bars. And she would, the one time she brought in a kid, a, 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 the son of a lady she met at a bar who must've been crying about how her son wasn't doing well. So I come to work in the morning and this kid is sitting in my chair by my computer and he's high from the night before and I'm high from the night before and I'm supposed to show him the ropes. What? You know what I mean? It was like, and I hate people being around me. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was just total dysfunction it was my life. And uh, so that was the place where I finally, uh, I, I was, I was getting so high and so drunk and uh, this is this is where crack came into my story and and uh, crack cocaine was th during that whole epidemic in the world uh, just took me down it really did it was this is where I met my now wife too and uh, she was there she was one of the managers of the department and uh, they even this place who was totally dysfunctional it had a bar on the fourth floor and was run by a raging alcoholic they told me you need to get some help. I'm like, I need to get some help, you know? <laughs> so I had to go, they sent me to treatment, you know, they're like, you got to get some help. It, it was the, it was the law. They couldn't fire me. They had to offer me to get help. And so that was my first, uh, uh, run in with, uh, treatment and out intensive outpatient. And, um, uh, I, again, just half ass. I went just to get people off my back and oh, I'm doing everything. Oh, I'll say your little steps and all of that. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? And I went through the process and I hemmed and hawed and did what I had to do. You know, again, I'm, I'm very much a, a, a people pleaser. And uh, that's another character default. You know, I, I, I learned to say what you want me to say to get you off my back you know and no integrity there you know what i mean I'm, I'll, I'll just lie to your face and it's horrible it's a horrible way to live it really is thank goodness for this program it's, it's taught me and helped me get out of that um it's still in there my, my alcoholic alcoholic tendencies are still in there obviously but you know i have i have a whole toolbox of defenses to help me with that now you know and um so uh this company i went to treatment and uh i finally started to alcohol aa let me back up so when i went through this place and i was still just getting by and saying what you needed me to say but uh, what happened was they introduced me to aa and aa uh ruined my my drinking ruined my getting high by giving me awareness Okay. Once you have awareness that you're doing something, something's wrong here. Something's, and I always kind of knew, I, I just kind of knew something was up, but I thought it was outside of me. I thought it was you guys. I thought it was my work. I thought it was my mother and father. I thought it was, you know, these people screaming at me, wanting me to stop. But when AA introduced me to the fact that I'm an alcoholic and I'm an addict. Oh, you know, oh, you know, and, and then I would go back out you know, relapse, whatever you, I wouldn't even call it a relapse. Cause I never was really sober. You know, I just kind of stopped a little bit, 
you know, then that, that fucks up your drinking. It really does. Once you have that awareness that you have a disease and, and you don't have to live that way, you know? And, um, so that's where I was. And, um, you know, there's a whole cycle of that going in and out and, and relapsing and staying a little bit sober and going back out. And, uh, the company that I was working for, uh, eventually I, I got another job at a different company who was one of our clients, which is uh, how I got into the business I'm in now, which is I design point of purchase displays for retail. So I do retail spaces and that kind of thing. And um, I was always good enough to get another job and I was always good enough to get by, which is, you know, my MO. And uh, so uh, before that, just the, the tail end of this other, this last company, I really started to uh, go to AA a lot and uh, I got my first sponsor and uh, my family was, uh, uh, let me back up, right before I left that company, my family did an intervention on me and they dropped me off. They had to fool me into this intervention. Uh, my sister and father put me in the car and told me, hey, we're going for a ride. And I'm like, okay, you know, because I'm hungover and uh, you know how it is. And so I'm like, oh, we're going to dinner or something. So we're going for a ride. We go to this place in Cleveland and it's uh, it's called Stella Maris Treatment Center. And and uh, they go in and we go in and we're like looking around and we're touring this place. And I'm like, what the hell is this place? You know, and they're talking to my sister and brother or father and uh, my sister and father head for the door to get back in the car. And I'm walking with them, and they're like, where are you going? Uh, I'm like, what do you mean? We're going home. And they're like, well, we're going home. You're not going home. Yeah. And I'm like, what? It, it was that bad. They had to fool me into going into treatment. And that was intensive outpatient, or excuse me, that was a, a treatment place, you know. And um, so I stayed there for, I can't even remember how long, and the same old stuff and, and um, that was intense enough to get me to really start taking a look at myself and um, you know start maybe thinking I, I could I gotta stop this you know this is just getting crazy and uh, people are tricking me into getting into treatment and it was it was insane and so uh, I get out of there and I'm living back at my parents and um, you know I'm supposed to go to AA meetings and and I start going to AA and I got my first sponsor and um, he was a he was a uh, big book thumper and poker poke you in the chest type of guy. And uh, my first one of my first outside of their AA meetings, I, it was a lead and I stood up and I was going to comment on the lead. And at this time, this was he was very. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness, <clears throat> it was bad. It was it was. He says, he says to me, um, look here, um, you don't say nothing. You're too new. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You just sit down and listen. So I left that meeting and this was, uh, July of 91. I left that meeting and I said, fuck you. I said, I'm going to show you that this shit don't work. I'm going to show you this AA stuff is bullshit. I'm going to do all of it. This is how fucking crazy I was. I'm going to do all your little AA stuff. 
and show you that it doesn't work. And that was when I got sober. Um, because if you put yourself into it and if you actually do the some of these steps and work and read the book and call people and talk to your sponsor and go to meetings, 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 like they said, it'll get you, it'll work. It actually does work, you know? So, cause you know me, Mr. Half-Ass do stuff. I'm half-ass doing AA and it was working. And I started to get some results, you know? Then I'm embarrassed because it actually, actually did what he said and the shit's working. So I thought, you know, what the hell, you know, I really do need to stop all of this stuff and okay, I'll do your little AA. So I'm doing AA and, and it's working. What can I say? You know, and I started to get, it started to get better. You know, I, I started to do better at work and, you know, my girlfriend and I are doing good together and, you know, I'm getting a little money in my pocket and it's like, wow, this is, this is pretty, pretty cool, you know? This was all in-person meetings and, um, of course, at that time. And I got uh, started to get friends in the program. You know, it was scary. Don't get me wrong. It was kind of scary. Um, I never really was dealing with my uh, inner inside issues. You know, at the time, mental health was not a uh, it was more it had the stigma attached to it. So I never could, you know, deal with that. I I. I, I at the time, I, I was a believer, you know what I mean? And I did everything. Like I said, I prayed. I would pray every day, and I would, you know, ask my higher power, which was God, to help me. And I still felt, even though I was sober, I still felt on the outside. I still felt not a part of. I still felt awkward. I still felt anxiety and depression. And it took me a lot of years to get to a point where uh, I got to finally talked to a psychologist and a psychiatrist about this stuff and it was still frowned upon you know what i mean and and with the old timers as i call them because they were fundamentalists and you know we you just need to pray more you know i'm okay i'll pray more like do i need to push my knees into the ground harder what am i doing wrong here you know what i mean what i don't get it you know do i need to put my neck back higher when i'm i don't i don't know whatever so um, so anyway, time went on and I started to investigate this God thing, you know, and, uh, I, I, I'm like, what is with this God thing? I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not doing everything you say. So I started to look into this whole God thing and I started to come across guys like Christopher Hitchens and, and Daniel Dennett. And, you know, I started to come, come uh, to these agnostic First, I was I just slowly backed away from the whole. It just started to unravel, if you will. The more I looked into it, then I started to read the Bible because I had never read the Bible to that point. I started to read the Bible, and I'm like, "This is crazy." Yeah, why was I so afraid of? I was afraid of it for a long time, and I'm like, "Why am I afraid of this? Talking donkeys and snakes? What the hell?" Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to get into all that here because this is Alcoholics Anonymous, and you know. We, we talk about that in fellowship parts. But anyway, so I started to back away from the whole idea of there being a, an invisible man in the sky somewhere who was, you know, looking out for me and helping me with my life. And, and mind you, I'm staying sober all this time. And um, I got to a point where I slowly backed away from all of that. And I thought, man, you know, all of this, 
stuff that I've been doing has been me working it. You know, this has been me writing down my character defects and doing the inventories. And this has been, been me doing my journaling and calling my sponsor and, you know, helping out in the meeting. This has been me, you know, moving my feet as my sponsor says, you know, you got to move your feet in this fellowship. You know, you can sit around and you can stay on the outsides, but you got to get in the middle of the bed, as they say. You know, you really do get an active in AA and, and the program, even on Zoom is 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 the way to go. It keeps you involved, you know, and it makes you feel better, it makes me feel better when I help out. You know, I love to laugh and I love fellowship. You know, you guys are my higher power. You know, all you guys, people all over the world now, thanks to Zoom and, and that, you know, it's a pretty amazing and we laugh. I like really have good laughter. When I was drinking and I laughed, it was like I was just trying to make you laugh so I could when you're laughing, I'm going to drink your drink or steal your weed or something. You know what I mean? Because I'm sneaking. I'm still sneaking. So, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, AA has is, is, is changed my life and saved my life in more ways than one. I, I have addiction and I go to other 12 step groups for other issues. Uh, but at the core of it is always AA. It's always 12 step based. And I always know if I got a problem with something, which is pretty cool. I'm like, OK, I can go to, you know, uh, Silver Spoon Anonymous. I got all these damn silver spoons and I'm addicted to silver spoons and it's getting out of hand. And now I got to go to Silver Spoon Anonymous and powerless over spoons and my life has become unmanageable. You know, I know what I got to do. You know, I got to start. I got to go to meetings. I got to work some steps. I got to look at my character defaults character defects you know as my friend Marsha always says I got to get my head out of my ass and I'm going to get that on a shirt by the way that's going to be my next shirt design um so and uh and I got to talk to some people and I got to share I got to share the crazies you know speak to the crazies you know because I have them I know I have them and I love when I hear somebody else say me too you know oh you felt that way so did I you know Maybe we don't have an answer at that moment, you know, but just that camaraderie of me too is what I love about this fellowship. Um, uh, I think I'm going to shut the heck up and um, I hope I said something maybe to help somebody. I don't know if I did or not. If not, at least you got up in the morning and listened to me ramble about something. Um, thank you, Malaya, for asking me. Um, keep coming back no matter what. Get your head out of your ass. Keep your head out of your ass because, you know, it just stinks up there. So you don't want to be up there. Um, with that, I'll pass.